Good morning, Springbrook. It's so good to see you all. It's rainy outside, but it's sunny in here, right? Worshiping the Son of God. And did everybody get a fortune cookie? Really important you have a fortune cookie. Now, I, you weren't supposed to open it. Who opened it? Okay, I know there's got to be somebody here that opened it. Anybody? Well, wow, you really follow the rules well. That's great. I tell you what, let's just open one of them. Because I really want you guys to uh, take these home, take them out of the bag, but just put them somewhere where you will be able to uh, see them and remember what we talk about today. So, my fortune, you have strong desire for home and your family interests come first. Amen. Lucky number 16, 9, 13, 31, 27, 01. People actually won money off these things, right? And uh, learn Chinese. Well, learn Chinese. Oh, strange. I did uh, some research on fortune cookies this past week. It's very interesting. I thought, where did the fortune cookie come from? And I imagined uh, years and years, maybe like the 1300s, uh, there were these Chinese who were trying to create something new and, and they came up with the fortune cookie. Now, now, when you think about the fortune cookie, it's just a crazy thing. So where does it come from? California, of course. A crazy idea from California. In fact, they, they were having court cases to decide who actually came up with a fortune cookie, a guy from Los Angeles said he did in 1900, and a guy in San Francisco said he did in 1918. And Well, they weren't still alive, obviously, but they had a historical court, so they're saying that uh, Mr. Havier from uh, San Francisco created the fortune cookie. Now, it was funny yesterday when I was trying to find 400 uh, fortune cookies, and so I went to the fast... Uh, food Chinese place next to Jewel, and she said, I don't have the authority. <laughs> Obviously, the boss wasn't there or something. And then I went down to the Lily Garden. Everybody been to the Lily Garden? Oh, yeah. Oh, you got to go to the Lily Garden. It's been around for a long time. It's just down. You go over Randall, east, and you see the Thornton's gas station, and you go about two more blocks, take a left. Anybody know where the old Pizza Hut was? Okay. Well, it's right there. And I want to thank them uh, for selling to these to me at a discount. I got, uh, let's see, $32 for 400 All right. Now, that's probably a discount for a church, but if you really want to binge on, you know, fortune cookies, you can check that out. Okay. Now, let's, let's say this. Let's say that you were really looking for direction in life. And so you went to the little garden and said, listen, I'll pay full price for the fortune cookies. And you sat there and you opened each one, just waiting for some impression, some idea of what your future might look like. Now, if people heard about that, they would laugh at you, question your intelligence, things of that nature. Because fortune cookies are just fun, right? They taste so good after a, a Chinese dinner. And uh, but, but it brings up an interesting question is how can we know more about the future? You have fortune cookies and we well, have astrology, astrology, where people look at what month they were born in and 
Uh, some have followed very closely. In fact, I think seven out of a seven out of a hundred people will actually change their behavior based on a horoscope. All right? But I'll let you know you should stay away from horoscopes because God says clearly, you only turn to me when you want wisdom about the future. So, we're in the midst of a series, a new series, on the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, uh, okay, I don't have my clicker. Um, oh, thanks, hon. Where'd you get it from? Oh, okay. Did I put it down? Uh, that's my life. That's my life. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right, we're talking about the stand. The stand. We're standing for God like Daniel did. Uh, last week we talked about standing out, where Daniel and his friends went on the Daniel diet. But it wasn't for diet purposes, it was so God could show a miracle that they were much better uh, built up and strong because God used miracle, uh, means of, of a miracle. And today, stand up, stand strong. And then Mother's Day, May 14th, is a great day to invite a friend out to Springbrook. Didn't these baptism, baptismal testimonies just blow you away? Amen? Let's give the glory to God. Friends, we are on a mission. And our mission is to introduce people to the love of Jesus Christ and see it transform them. And again, this doesn't save you being baptized, but it's something God asks you to do. It's your next step. We talk a lot about next steps here at Springbrook because we're walking down a discipleship pathway. So what is your next step? Maybe it is being baptized. You've been putting that off. But when I heard both of them, and especially Adam, in terms of what God had done in his life. That's our business. Okay? That's our mission. Is seeing these kind of changes take place. But they won't take place until we get really serious about discipleship and evangelism. And I tell you, my heart is burning for evangelism. God really has reignited me and... Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, praying, talking to people. Uh, how can we become more evangelistically effective? It's interesting that if you look at the people who come to Christ over the years, typically they've been by one of the pastors, Rich and I, or Matt, and uh, led someone to the Lord, or it's been children. So we haven't had a lot of people bring someone to the Lord in terms of bringing them to church. Now, we've had, we've had a lot, but not as many as we should have, let's say. So that's something you can pray with me about. And then stand in faith and stand firm. Also, another next step in growth is uh, reading your Bible. We have our Springbrook 2017 Bible reading plan. That's Bible.com. And just pick the blended plan. How many are reading through the Bible in some way this year? All right. Well, the number one priority is for Christ followers to have that 
15 minutes or more time with God, uh, getting to know Him and learning from Him and having Him transform your life. We're looking at Daniel 2 today in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Who is Nebuchadnezzar? Well, we, we got to know a little bit about him last week. We know that he was the king of Babylon, and Babylon had taken the Israelites captive, and they were in the land for 70 years. They were being disciplined by God. And we know that King Nebuchadnezzar made sure that some of the sharpest young men were picked out to be trained for three years so they could help lead their people while they were in this captive state. Now, if we read in history about Nebuchadnezzar, he was really, he was a great king in terms of the different skills that he had. I mean, he just knew everything. <laughs> he, was, he was well-versed in many different areas. Uh, he was masterful in the way that he went about things. Uh, he... Uh, he was a military strategist. And so all these things about him. And the most curious thing about him, King Nebuchadnezzar, is that God chose to reveal to him the future of this world. God chose him. Why him? Well, certainly the Israelites, they weren't too responsive, right? They were in sin, so... He chose a pagan king to reveal it in a dream. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Notice he had multiple dreams at different times. And his spirit was troubled. In fact, later in the passage it talks about him being so frightened by these dreams, kind of like night terrors. He'd wake up and he's sweating and breathing heavily. And, uh, but he couldn't remember the dream. All he remembers is waking up, terrorized by this dream. And so he wants to find out. Now, it's interesting. Back in that day, dreams were very important in people's lives. In fact, uh, we're going to see the brain trust here of King Nebuchadnezzar here in a moment. But uh, it's interesting that King Nebuchadnezzar and the people around him studied dreams all the time. I mean, they had libraries that were full of books about dreams. They were obsessed with dreams. I mean, you could go to a wise man and say, hey, I had this dream and give all the details and He'd be flipping through all the pages. Oh, that means this, that means this, that means that. So it's just uh, kind of interesting that God introduces a dream into this culture that will change the world. Daniel 2, 2 and 3, Then the king commanded that the magicians, those who claim supernatural powers, the enchanters, astrologists, the sorcerers, they see dead people, and the Chaldeans, that was the other wise men that had been trained up, to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. 
Now, what's wrong with this? I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. He can't remember the dream. So he's asking his brain trust here, hey, I want to hear what the dream first is, and then you interpret it. Daniel 2.4, Then the Chaldeans, the wise men, spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Now he said that because they wanted to live. Uh, Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. So I, that's the way it usually worked. It didn't work the other way at all. But then the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. Anybody have a bad day at work or a bad week? You know, can't be worse than these guys. I mean, literally, I'm going to cut you into little pieces and I'm going to make your houses uh, just a mound of manure. Okay. <laughs> He's pretty serious about this. And I think he was serious about it because he was frightened. And he was willing to do anything to find out the meaning of this dream. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. King Nebuchadnezzar, this has never been done before. Nobody has asked for the dream to be revealed. No, you tell us the dream, and then we interpret it. Well, he didn't get very far with King Nebuchadnezzar. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed. So it was about, he was going to murder everybody. All these people that he had put his trust in before. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. They were trained to be wise men, right? Then Daniel replied with prudence, and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. You imagine Daniel's told about what's coming down. And so he goes to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard and chief executioner, and he replies with prudence and discretion. That's why I love to study the book of Daniel, how God worked through Daniel, in some very difficult situations. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now, why is this so amazing? What did King Nebuchadnezzar say initially? No more time. You tell me now. And then Daniel walks in there, gets a presence with the king, and oh, we just need a little more time. That's fine. You see, that's God. Many times we'll look at the book of Daniel and say, okay, well, I've got to be like Daniel. I have to be wise and I have to know the Word. And That's really not the point. The point is, is that you need to open up your heart to God and you need to give your will over to God and say, God, you work in my life any way that you want. Now, you might not be a, a Daniel-type person, but you're going to be someone who glorifies God and pleases God. That's what it's all about. It's not about what Daniel does. 
It's because God did these things through Daniel. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. That was the first thing they did. They went to prayer. I mean, who else would know the dreams of another person? Anybody have a bad dream this past week? God knows. He knows everything about you. It's amazing. He knows you and He loves you. So, so what they did in the midst of a crisis is they got down on their knees and they prayed to God saying, God, give us insight. Help us to be able to continue living. What is this dream? You know, we all have mysteries in our lives. Things we just, we just can't understand. We say, God, why would you allow this? Why would that happen? Why am I in this, you know, terrible situation? And yeah, there are mysteries. And God knows the reason why. Now, sometimes He'll tell us. Sometimes He'll resolve it. Sometimes He'll lift that burden out of our lives. But sometimes... It just remains with us. And that probably is the most difficult thing for Christ followers to understand. If God loves me so much, why am I going through this pain? That's when you just have to trust in the goodness of God. God is totally good across the board. And He wouldn't bring anything evil in your life. And, and you might not understand it again until heaven, but we really need to trust Him when we're in the midst of that mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel 2.19, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Don't you love that when you pray and you pray and all of a sudden, boom! Your problem's gone. Or you have a deeper understanding of it and why you're going through it. I mean, God shows up. We love it when God shows up in that way. And so what did Daniel do? He just blessed God. He just glorified God. And glorifying God means to give God the credit. As we say many times here, if something good happens to you that God did... It's not for you. You have the responsibility of telling someone else to glorify God with what He did in your life. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it would be given to him. If you don't have this verse memorized, I really would encourage you to do that because it's one of the most comforting, encouraging Verses in Scripture. I mean, here we have a God. He doesn't lack wisdom, right? He's got perfect wisdom about you. Let him ask God who gives generously. And you've got to remember, the Israelites were 
uh, surrounded by pagan populations. And their gods were mean. I mean, they just tried to keep their gods happy. But this God gives generously to all without reproach. He's not going to say, oh, it's you again. Didn't you get the message last time? You mean you fell again? Well, I tell you, I'll come back in ten days and maybe I'll help you out. No. He just, he just keeps on giving. Our loving and graceful God. you have any fresh bread? Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does that mean? We need to be spiritually eating every day of our lives and grow deeper, deeper into our relationship with God. Because we need His Word. Again, the fortune cookie represents man's knowledge. So if you take this home and open it, whatever, probably whatever you prefer, but just keep it out. Or you can see it on your desk or wherever that might be. And let that be a reminder to you that this is man's wisdom compared to God's wisdom in Scripture. Says, well, Dan, don't you think you're overstating a little bit? No! I'm not overstating it. I mean, God, again, we'll never be understand the depths of God and who He is. And so many times we keep eating fortune cookies, keep looking for the right message, keep trying to push our lives in the right direction. And we never really rest in the truths of the Scriptures. And we as disciples, that's so important. It's so important that we, we spend time daily with God. At least 15 minutes. Carve it out. Pray. Read the Bible. That's how you feed yourself. Otherwise, you get sick on the fortune cookies of the world. So, the question is, do you have any fresh bread? We're starting this new discipleship, uh, intentional orientation toward helping us to learn how to grow as Christ followers. And... We want to do something to encourage people to have their time regularly with God. So you're going to hear this question a lot around Springbrook this year and the coming years. Do you have any fresh bread? What is it saying? Have you been in the Word recently and God spoke to you and gave you an insight? Because that's the idea, right? You read the Bible and you listen to the Spirit and you let God speak to you. You let His Holy Spirit, again come through the Scripture and it makes an imprint on your soul. And that's fresh bread. The problem is, a lot of Christ followers have gotten lazy with this particular habit or discipline. There are certain disciplines, habits that we have to grow as Christ followers. And again, I can say my own life, you know, it's been up and down. Sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm off. And that's why we need to continue to encourage each other in this area. So when I say, hey, do you have any fresh bread? You're thinking, oh, well, he's talking about, you know, insights from God. 
from my time alone with Him. And, and so you share it. And when you share it, it's beautiful, right? Because that was a purpose of your study in the first place so you could share it with somebody else. And then they share what they've learned. It also kind of builds in an accountability, like some of them ask me that question. So <laughs> I better be making some fresh bread or let God make uh, the fresh bread. But these are just ways that we encourage one another. And uh, this is really true fellowship when you have two Christians uh, discussing God's Word. So I say it together. Do you have any fresh bread? Okay. So when you go home with your family, ask that question. They don't, you know, you kind of get slowly going. So you share. And then you kind of build it in your family culture because we are just as concerned about you leading the disciple-making family as we do a church. We want to help you. And again, a simple way is just to take this message and teach it to your kids on the level that they're at. I mean, Daniel is a great story. and You can just take out your notes and say, hey, I'll tell you about Daniel. Things of that nature. So, do you have any fresh bread? Now, this particular verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, this, I believe, is one of the most powerful statements made in Scripture that kind of packs how we as Christ followers should live our lives out. First of all, we rejoice always. Now, we don't feel like rejoicing always, do we? But we do that. I mean, if you're a child of God, that's reason enough to rejoice on a daily basis, no matter what circumstances you might be going through. Pray without ceasing. Pray. I mean, think about the mystery in your life that you're, you're struggling with. How many, uh, how many minutes have you sought God out for an answer, for direction? How many hours have you spent praying? To God. How much of the Bible have you read searching for maybe an answer to your question? How many other Christ followers have you talked to? You see, friends, when we want wisdom from God, He's generous, but we've got to ask for it in faith and keep seeking Him out. And the whole idea of a disciple-making family, disciple-making culture is that we're all in this together. We're to help one another. Uh, This past week was a really bad week for the Harrisons in the area of technology. Uh, Both my wife and I, our cell phones went down. Yeah, off the grid. Uh, Yeah, so she had a cracked screen and I had a battery that went bad, took them to the cell phone hospital, and 100 apiece, they're all good. But you know, it's weird not having a smartphone with I got up today and tried to keep, keep getting glory up. And so what I do, you know, shake it twice, the droid, and you get this great flashlight. You've always got a flashlight on you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> And I didn't have a flashlight. So I was kind of searching around different things of that nature. And usually in the morning I want to play, you know, 
music, worship music, you know, to get my energy going. And it was gone. It felt like it was on a desert island. Where's the music? And then I said, what should I wear today? Where's the weather? Where's the weather? I just touched my screen and I see the weather. And now I have to actually go out and look outside. So very primitive. So very primitive. And I know many of you were concerned for me. I just know it. I just know it. When the Facebook posts stop coming and, you know, no emails, no tweets. Say, hey, we better call Pastor Dan and see if he's okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think about that. I think I wish that I had the same desire for the Word of God that I do for my smartphone. I wish that if, if God just said, hey, today, no more prayer. This is a prayer day free. A free day prayer, whatever. And would that impact my life? Would that impact your life if God said, hey, don't call me today. Take some time off. Would that make any difference in your life? Maybe it wouldn't. Which means that you need to take that next step of taking everything to God in prayer. You know, you just need to get into the habit of that every project you take on, when you get in the car, say a prayer. <laughs> and then when you get to work and you take on a project, well, God's not concerned with my work. Well, yes, He is. Because you're amazing to Him. And you're glorifying Him. giving Him the credit uh, for what you can do. And so, yeah, pray all day, especially at work and when you're at home, it's just the lifestyle that's so important that we need to live out. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Daniel 2.31. Now, here's Daniel. We had to skip over a lot. There's quite a few verses there in chapter 2. Uh, so he is revealing the interpretation of the dream. The dream and the interpretation. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image this image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. This is why he was just really, you know, so wanting to get the meaning of this dream. He was so upset by it because it was a, like night terrors every night, and he didn't know what the reason was or what the dream was. He said the head of this image was of fine gold. It's chest and arms of silver. It's middle and thighs of bronze and legs of iron. It's feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Now, what does that mean? Well, take a look at this statue. What God revealed to the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar is He revealed to him all world history up until His kingdom. Now, again, we can look back on this and say, yeah. There's a lot of other verses that support these verses. don't have time for that today, but you certainly can do your own studies of uh, Daniel chapter 2. But basically, you know, it talks about uh, the head of gold, and that represented him, Babylon. Daniel told him that, 605 to 539. The breast of silver was Persia, 519 to 331. 
the thighs of brass were grease, a grease, 331 1681. And the legs of iron were Rome, 168 to 476 A.D. And the feet of iron and clay are the divided nations, which, again, we're in that state today. But it says there's going to be a rot coming that's going to destroy this statue. And it's going to be Jesus Christ coming back to build his kingdom. So... Daniel 2, in biblical prophecy, is the, the pivotal chapter. It kind of sums it all up. And it's unpacked in the last part of Daniel, of course, Revelation. But if you get an understanding of Daniel 2, and how each of these empires you know, were reflective of different materials. It was a top-heavy statue, no doubt. And uh, the materials got cheaper as you went down. And yeah, we, we look at the U.S. and we say, what is happening to our country? We look at the world. In Syria, North Korea, Iran. It's just like, but God's got a plan. He does. We're suffering from sinful decisions that people are making. And again, I need to pray for our um, soldiers and, and just to pray for God to do what He does, to do, does what He's going to do. It goes on in the passage, And the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and all the gold, and all together were broken in pieces, right? Broken in pieces, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. Now, the chaff of the summer threshing floors was hardly anything. It's like lint, you know? Just sat there. It wasn't anything major. And, and God is going to destroy everything. He's going to destroy every building, every tower, everything when He comes back. So that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now that's the kingdom of God, friends. And the individuals that were here at our 9 o'clock service and 11 o'clock service are going to be in that holy kingdom because they've accepted the free gift of forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And that's our prayer for you if you haven't made that decision. You're still dependent on your good works. You trust in Jesus wholly because He's paid the price. Won't that be a wonderful day? That's something to look forward to, right? We'll be part of that kingdom and we will live forever with Jesus Christ. Daniel 2.44, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall what? Stand. Forever. Thank you, Lord, that we have a God like you. And so generous and so understanding and so kind. And thank you that we have that promise. We've seen most of this prophecy fulfilled, and we're just waiting for you to come back. Lord, help us to wait every day. You could come today or tomorrow or next week.
Help us to wait for your appearing. In Christ's name, amen.